I mean, like every single boy is different from each, each other. When you dance um, with one boy, um, you get one specter of emotions. When you dance with another boy, totally different emotions. So how can we feel those these emotions? For example, the way he gives you his hand, right? The way he looks at you, the way he touches you, the way he holds you, um, the way he smiles. Everything is totally different. Even um, the way he smells. Yeah, that's pretty uh, intime, <laughs> like in French. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. To help Ukrainians, we need to break the stereotypes because Ukraine is not just a former Soviet country, nor Chernobyl. The new generation of Ukrainians today have unlimited potential. This podcast is to break the stereotypes about Ukrainians and show the greatness of Ukraine to the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. I couldn't return to Kiev because of the pandemic, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. More than 135 people participated in this project for Ukraine. From the Vice President of the Helen Marlin Group, to the Vice Chancellor of the UGCC, to the President of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the President of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Yale University, Harvard, and the London School of Economics, to the United Nations, to interns at the Ukrainian Parliament and at the Canadian Parliament, to top 1% students in Ukraine, but not only them. This project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. So please support this podcast by sharing an Instagram story today and mention the page aziz.future and join the new Telegram channel, Kiev Future. My goal is to make interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians and the world is listening. This podcast is already top 100 in France and Switzerland, top 60 in the United Kingdom and Japan, top 50 in Austria, Germany, and Canada, top 25 on Apple Russia, top 15 in Belarus, Poland, and Australia, and top 10 in Norway, Sweden, South Korea, and many other places. Because this is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes.
together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people. And this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So let's begin. My guest today is Karina Saruhanyan. Karina lives in Odessa. She is a Latin dancer. She has traveled all over the world and loves meeting new people. She also hosts an English-speaking club with native speakers in the very heart of Odessa. This year is her graduation year, so she's very happy about this. Karina, how are you today? Couldn't be better. Thank you for asking. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I am happy, excited, and to begin, what is a thought on your mind these days and weeks that you keep on thinking about a lot because you're trying to change, to improve, or just to have deeper in your life and in your heart? Um, well, I miss traveling. And usually when I travel, I get a lot of new emotions. And I miss these feelings. So probably I want pandemic to be over because I really want to travel badly. <laughs> Perfect. Imagine you're taking a trip right now and tell me what is your most favorite part? Is it the anticipation when you finally book the travel tickets and get ready and think, wow, this is happening. I'm so excited. Or is it that first step when you go to the airport and then the airplane and you think, wow, it's done. I'm going. Or is it stepping into a new country and thinking of all the adventures you can have or meeting new people? Maybe that's the best part. Or maybe it's when you return, you have memories, pictures, and you think, I did this. It happened. I look for the next one, which is all are pleasurable. But which would be your favorite part? I think preparation for the trip. I love planning. I love buying tickets. I love booking hotels and stuff because, I don't know, I, I love to plan trips. Um, I hate flying in the plane because my ear hurts. My ear, my ears hurt a lot. And um, I'm literally crying every time I'm flying. <laughs> and probably the one of the best parts is when I arrive to the um, final destination because... Um, my ears um, feel much better. And also, I'm excited to, um, let's say, discover the new land. <laughs> like Christopher Columbus. Well, did you try, just as, as an aside, did you try chewing gum during the flight and it didn't help you at all? Or what happened? Because usually, if you... Uh, will be chewing on gum while flying. It will help stabilize and the pressure, air pressure, and reduce a lot the pain. Yes, I know. But um, when I'm chewing the gum, uh, it doesn't help my ears, but it makes my jaw feel much worse because <laughs> I'm taking like um, seven pieces of gum um, in hope that it will help me, but it doesn't. And I'm even taking medicine because um, it usually helps me, but not always. So um, it's a big problem for me. That's why I usually prefer traveling by car. 
I understand. So let's speak about happier moments and more <laughs> you know, experiences that really feel good. So you said the planning of the trips. To take it to other parts of your life, are you a planner? Did you, for example, when it comes to dancing, plan a lot? Or in other areas of your life, studying, etc., you plan often? Or is this just specific to travel and your love for traveling? I plan a lot, but do I follow my plans? No, because <laughs> usually when I plan something, um, I just enjoy that process. But my personality is like more, um, uh, let's say, um, I like improvising. So the part of me that loves planning is perfect, but I don't usually follow uh, things that I plan. I love improvising and doing something that is uncontrolled, under my control. <laughs> so that's kind of my secret part <laughs> of the personality, let's say. I understand. So in many ways, there is a part of you that is perfect and it loves planning and it plans a lot and enjoys it. I imagine you enjoy it similar to shopping where you're just focusing on the planning part. But another bigger part of you is spontaneous. It doesn't follow those plans, but you go with the emotions and with the flow. Is this correct? Yes, exactly. Because uh, when I was going to Barcelona, I planned my trip like um, for every 15 freaking minutes. I checked all the park. I have um, um, architect, uh, architectures. And I usually, um, if for example, I love one of them, I need to check all of his creatures. Uh, so I wanted to see Park Goel and I was like, hmm, uh, I want to check the price. And I realized that the price um, uh, entry fee, let's say, uh, is totally free uh, if you come to the park um, uh, till 8 a.m., I think. And I planned that I need to go to the park well at 7 a.m. to finish my walking at 8 a.m. And then I go to the certain cafeteria. And then after that, I spend like 30 minutes there taking photos, talking to my parents and stuff. And then I need to see my friend only like 35 minutes because after my um, meeting with my friend, I need to go to shopping to buy uh, presents for my relatives. And it will only take like one hour and a half because next I have a lot of plans to do. Yeah. So I'm really crazy and insane when it goes to planning. But when I went to Barcelona, I was like chilling at the beach and doing re really nothing because... That was the time of my life. <laughs> I love this. I'm hearing a lot of fantastic stuff. And would you play a psychological game to explore these parts of you? Um, no, because it's pretty easy to explain, I think. Because when you're interested in something, would you quit it to do something else that you planned? Or you will enjoy it and prolong your... Um, pleasure let's say of course you will choose the second one because uh, if you feel nice why would you stop doing that right i love that so if you feel nice 
why would you stop doing that? And is that a similar emotion to when you're dancing and flowing with your body in dance? Um, not really. Because um, when you dance, uh, you feel great. But when you stop dancing, oh my God, I, can, I can't even explain how my legs hurt, how my arms hurt, how my foot hurt. I mean, it's the pain, indescribable pain, let's say. But when you're dancing, you don't feel it at all. Because, I mean, probably that that's because of adrenaline or stuff. And you enjoy dancing. But it lasts like um, two minutes, usually, when the music plays. So when you stop dancing, you want to quit dancing. You want to leave the studio and the hole you're dancing in. Because it's pretty hard and painful. <laughs> Thank you. It's not dopamine, it's endorphins, which are made so that you don't feel the pain when you're doing an activity, but when they, you know, their effect ends, you feel it all. Well, if it seems to me, and I noticed two things, you love dance, but the pain is horrible. You love travel, but the ear pain is horrible. So (laughs) the things you love are a mix of pleasure and pain, or what's going on there? Um, I don't know, when you love something, right, you need to sacrifice um, the part of you, right? For example, when you dance, you sacrifice the part of your health. When you, for example, travel, you some of you probably sacrifice the part of your money and savings. <laughs> some of you sacrifice your health because, I mean, like pressure when you fly, your stress... Uh, we need to sacrifice th- something to receive even more, I think. <laughs> Thank you. And tell me more about how did that idea develop? Because understanding, of course, that what you the more you give to something, the more you get back. But to think that you sacrifice your health, and for some people, money means survival, so it's a deep instinct to not sacrifice it. And that is a bit of a martyr kind of approach to success. I'm just curious, can you explain it more? And where do you think it developed? Was there a character from a book you respected who used to have that attitude? Or maybe it's a family or Odessa kind of thing? Or uh, maybe a, some dancer that you respect a lot did that? Or what's going on? Uh, you know, I think that it's kind of depends on personality. Because... Um... I think that my parents made me do so, but I always sacrificed something. For example, when I created my business with my business partner, Haley, um, I sacrificed a lot of my time, firstly, and then uh, I brought everything from my home, like TV, paintings, and um, uh, decorations and stuff. Because, you know, when you sacrifice something, people see it and they respect you even more and they respect your business and they know that they can trust you. And also the same thing, I think, works with money when you input this money in business. Because when you sacrifice something, you want something in return, right? Because you know that you give money and you want to receive twice more. When people are like, well, I will give a part of money, but I'm not sure that this business will work, so I'm not going to give the full amount of money. And I think that those who think like that, they don't usually get um, 
benefit from their business and they don't usually have a big income because they don't sacrifice everything they have. But I'm not that type of person. If I sacrifice something, I sacrifice everything that I have. And the same thing work thing works with um, dancers. Uh, they sacrifice everything they have, like money, health, time. And uh, they even um, miss their um, school. They don't go to school because they don't have time. And they pay like a lot of money for individual lessons with top teachers, uh, top coaches. Because uh, like when we go to the like uh, camps, dancing camps, training camps, one of the most expensive lessons uh, cost uh, approximately 200 euros per 45 minutes imagine and those who don't have money they're obliged to have lessons with top coaches because uh, i mean like uh, if you do something you need to be impeccable in it and also we have like kind of corruption in dancing so, so probably when you don't take um, uh, lessons with certain coaches uh, you don't pass to the final well like um, in politics right and um, i think that if you do sacrifice something like uh, really really into think into this thing you're sacrificing right a lot of words sacrificing but is that's okay i mean like you need to be you you will feel that it's not like um one second actually you said many beautiful things and it reminds me of a saying or an attitude in america which is called throwing your hat over the fence or if there is a wall that you need to climb if you throw your hat so you have no choice but to climb you'll climb it but or as some people say, if you're 99% committed, that's very difficult. But mm -hmm. if you're 100% committed, that's very easy. Because you decide, or if you go to the Latin root, decide means to kill other options. It's like homicide, genocide, all of those words are not so nice. But when you decide, it means you commit to something. And if I understood correctly, that is the attitude. It's about committing and saying, okay, I will get to that goal no matter what, no matter how it costs me or the sacrifices, I decide to have that goal. Is this correct? And if so, I have a question. Um, pretty much yes, but uh, I forgot about desire. If you don't have desire... Yes, that was the next question. One yeah. second, this is important yeah. because it's similar to the Mark Manson book, etc. You cannot commit to everything or sacrifice for anything. How do you know in your own life? How did those decisions for to choose something that you will commit to and sacrifice for? How did you know you wanted it or how did you discover your desire for it? And etc because you cannot desire everything then you cannot commit to everything at the same time yeah um but it works like that if uh, during 48 hours i'm thinking about the same thing it means that i really have desire for this thing and i want this thing to develop uh that's how it worked with my speaking club 
because uh, I fell asleep and I was like, I had a dream about my speaking club because uh, I had a lot of um, thoughts to create it. And I was like, after this dream, I certainly need to create a speaking club. And during these two days, I was thinking about uh, little thingies that I need to make to create the speaking club. And if you have passion for it, you will think uh, like every freaking second about every freaking second about it. And um, if you don't uh, do something during this time, it means that you have like uh, desire, but you don't have um, motivation or you don't see the reason why you need to follow your desire, right? And so um, this is how English courses work, I think, because I was uh, into psychology a little bit of time and I read that if people want something, uh, they will uh, start doing this thing by themselves. For example, um, learning English, right? If people do really need English, they will learn it. Um, I mean, like they will check the sources they can learn it. They will check the schools. They won't just save like a publication in, in post Instagram and like, okay, one day I will go to this English school or like French school, no matter. They will instantly uh, call the agency they will go there they will start doing that because they will see the uh, final goal and if people don't have this goal they won't sacrifice their time their money and stuff because people need to see the goals and their future and this thing must be included in their future plans that's how they will know that this thing is worth sacrificing. I love that you're speaking about intrinsic motivation. And if I understood correctly, it begins in this way. They have a vision for their future where something is part of it. And this creates desire. But if that desire doesn't translate into action, it's because there is no motivation. And motivation is not only from desire, because we can want many things, but to take action, we need intrinsic motivation, which comes from a reason why I'm following the way that you are thinking. So is this correct? Yes, pretty much. Yes, I think. So people um, either they want to feel good and they're doing this thing because it brings pleasure to them. Either they want to uh, develop this thing so they can uh, use this thing in the future, for example, for their own career, for gaining money and stuff. So either it's hobby and pleasure, either it's career and money. Thank you. And now I have another question, which is interesting, and it has two parts. One, what is the story that made you the Karina of today? And what is the story of you falling in love with dance? Mm, what was the first question? Sorry. Your story of life that made you become the person you are today. Because people will hear, they don't know you. They don't know where you are born. <laughs> what is your story? So who are you as a person? What is the story of your life that made you become the Karina of today? And then speak a little bit about how did you fall in love with dancing? Oh, I can speak about myself for hours. <laughs> well, um, 
I'm 16 years old. I don't remember if I told you, but I'm 16 years old. Um, I currently live in Odessa, but and I used to live in Kyiv for like half a year. I used to dance there with my partner, Latin dance, and we used to compete there. Uh, the thing that made my life um, and the personality that I, that I am right now, probably the consequences that, oh, not consequences, um, the things that just that surrounded me, uh, people that surrounded me and feelings that surrounded me in the moment I was growing up, my parents, um, if we're talking about uh, love conception and um, money, um, uh, let's say relation to money, because uh, um, it's okay for me to spend a lot of money because for someone, I think, because when I was a child, my parents uh, used to buy everything that I wanted. And uh, so uh, I do right now. So if everyone needs something, I usually buy this thing and give it to others. So when parents buy everything that you want, it doesn't mean that you will be brat or like spoiled child. No, it's not true. You will just have that um, uh, desire to help others and to make others happy because you know that feeling when people give you something that you really wanted to have. And that's why I'm pretty good at giving presents because um, every holiday for my parents, for my boyfriend, for my friends is um, a big thing because uh, they're waiting for my presents because they know that I will find that small or big, no matter which present, present because they know that it will be like 100% perfect and they will have a lot of pleasure unpacking and unwrapping this um, package yeah and also in love uh, talking about speaking about love I can say that my parents are insanely in love but the main thing is to support each other even though my parents argue in front of me, which I think is not uh, correct. Uh, I see that they uh, support each other no matter what. And that's a great thing for them. And that's why even though um, I'm, for example, know that I don't want to speak to that person and I'm starting arguing with something, someone, um, we don't I don't ad hominem. That's a great word that I used to, uh, that I learned like two days ago. Ad hominem is when you're um, saying swear words towards something, someone. Uh, it's a character attack. It's not yeah. really like the to, to say bad words. It's to say like, oh, that person is stupid or that person don't know what they're doing or that exactly. person is like to try to destroy their reputation. Yes, they don't do that my parents. That's why I'm grateful for um, giving me that uh, trait of character, I think. Uh, then I really can, real, um, let's say, analyze people that surround me because I have uh, a lot of friends, but I have like two or three close friends. And um, I always see people who are fake and who don't have feelings. Uh, while talking to me and stuff and 
I had a bad, bad situation when I was in kindergarten because uh, um, my friend told me that she uses me and that she um, used me for like talking to uh, other small boys because um, I was a beautiful girl. And she told me that like, I'm just uh, a good way to start talking to these boys. And that was a huge pain for me because I was like six years old. And from that time, I don't trust like friends, friends, because I had like feelings and I had like, I don't know, emotions. And she just, just, just destroyed it. And I was like six years old and the conception of friendship totally uh, was totally crushed for me. And from now, uh, if I have friends, I need to trust them 100%. So I know that they don't use me for their, um, I don't know, for their goals. Yeah. That's pretty One hard. second. That's a very important topic. How do you know or how do you test or I don't know what you do to know if people are trustworthy and worthy of your friendship? Um, that's a great question because um, I would start talking about gossips, gossip, uh, because uh, sometimes I have friends that tell me, oh, Karina, uh, this group of people was talking about you. And I mean, like they were talking sorry shit about you. And I was like, yeah. And how did you allow them talking bad things about me and these people are like oh my god <laughs> she is so freaking intelligent and smart because i mean like how can your friends tell you that it's like a group of my friends told bad things about told me told he or her bad things about me and this my close friend was participating in this rumor or like gossip. I mean, like, it's a huge question because uh, when people are talking to you, first of all, it's a good sign. It's better to be uh, um, uh, talked uh, uh, badly than not to be talked at all. I mean, like, it's better when people speak um, about you, like, no matter, like, positive or negative, in negative sense, it's better when... Uh, someone is talking about you then they if they <laughs> don't talk about you at all because people usually love uh, speaking about negative things that um, happen in their life or in someone's life because uh, that's how people live why don't well for example i can give you a good example um can you please tell me what's could happen like um, this one week, during this week, in the world. Do you know? For me? No, not for you. In the world, just... I mean, what good has happened in the world during this week? We can go it negatively. We're not dead. <laughs> That's a very good thing. Not for you. Like, what did you read in newspaper or like uh, in, on the internet? A very good thing is that the uh, developing countries are asking the U.S. and Europe 
to give them the recipe for the vaccine so that they will produce them themselves and they're pushing for this. And that is for me a, a great initiative that I encourage very much rather than waiting for them to produce. But you're asking me something that is, there is always a positive. I believe that it's like the yin and the yang. Every positive has a negative. Every negative has a positive. If you're asking me what is good for the world, the fact the vaccines are progressing, for example, the fact that there are countries, people have been forced to stay at home. So a lot of new entrepreneurs are starting businesses, getting freedom from what some people call the ticking time bomb of being an employee, etc. So everything, like Ludwig von Mises in Human Action would say, leads to people adapting and becoming better because I believe hard times create stronger people and stronger people create good times. Is this what you ask no, about or? Totally no, because um, I mean, that's pretty wise, wise, but I want, I want to hear like a certain fact that happened. Like, for example, I don't know, uh, 200 dolphins was, were born that week or like, uh, I don't know, um, a bridge was built that connects like, I don't know, Florida with uh, Texas. <laughs> it's not true, but I mean, like, a of certain... course, I have a great thing. I finished in total interviewing 200 people this week in 90 days. I'm happy about that, sharing their voices with the world and people are listening. And that is for me a very satisfying thing. You're asking me whether there are dolphins. I am sure there are. There is, I remember, um, there is um, a baleine, that's what it says in French, or a whale, yes, a whale that appeared and they're helping it return home. And there are many things like that. What do you want me to say other than the brain or the news sells bad news more than good? So there, it's not in their best interest to tell us the good things because people get bored when you say today everything good happened. They don't watch. But if you say, as they say, if it bleeds, it leads. That's what I wanted to say because I didn't expect you starting talking about like good things. I wanted you to say, like, uh, I don't know what good has happened, but I know, like, a group of people was killed and stuff and stuff and stuff, like, a lot of bad things. And that's what I wanted to say about you, that people are usually more tend to speak about bad things that about, than about good things. That's what I was expecting from you, not to start talking about good things. But from now, I know that you are a very positive person who believes in a great future. But <laughs> it didn't work out with you about saying, like, about keeping silence when I was asking you about good things, because you have a lot of good things in your head. That's great. <laughs> Thank you very much. I like to do the unexpected. Well, to speak also a bit more about you. Tell me about the club. You said you spent at least 48 hours with that idea swirling in your head. It didn't want to go out. Well, why did you create it? Why didn't you join another club, a speaking club, or maybe they didn't exist or not many in Odessa? And just say, say, what is so cool about it and how does it work now when we're in a lockdown situation? Okay, so my speaking club is sort of related with my dancing career. Uh, so currently I'm dancing with a boy. He's from New York. Uh, his name is Haley. 
and he was uh, born and raised in uh, the USA, uh, but his parents come from here, from Odessa, from Ukraine. So um, he's an English native speaker. So a lot of people wanted to have lessons with him, private lessons. And I was like, why do you need lessons with him? And they were like, well, he's a native speaker. A lot of native speakers, uh, they come in Odessa, they give lessons and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's a great thing to think about. Because, I mean, I have native speakers just just close to me. Why wouldn't I create a small business? And... um, that's a great thing for my friends because they will practice their English. And in plus, uh, I'm learning English in school and my school is specialized in English. So I was like, we need to start this business right now. And uh, it was the beginning of 2020 and um, everything um, started well. And I invited all of my friends and they were pretty like... um, satisfied with our speaking club and then like uh, our um, 11th or 12th uh, topic was about corona because it just started in china and Haley was like um guys do you think that corona will spread in ukraine and a lot of people voted no and um i was that person who said no and then I was like, uh, what if it really comes to Ukraine and everything will be like just terrible with our speaking club? Um, That's what I thought. But no, because people during uh, this uh, tough time needed to speak. And when you speak, it's good. But when you speak English, that's great. And people had nothing to do because uh, school was online. You couldn't gather with your friends because everything was closed. So we gathered in a small park, like a group of five or six people who weren't really, I mean, uh, afraid of uh, getting this disease or like, um, I don't know, spreading it into their family. And so we gathered and then everything went really well because people, they were depressed. And when they came to our speaking club, it was like a psychology session for them. But like light psychology session, we were talking about friends and love and good emotions. And people were just going and going. And then there, were, there was a great flow in our speaking club because people needed to talk. People needed to see real people, not just on Zoom and stuff. And then we made an uh, advertisement on Instagram and a lot of people came. And from now I have a lot of friends um, and um, people who have common interest with me. So it's a great thing. Speaking Club, it unites people together and it allows people to... Uh, speak of those things that they uh, enjoy speaking and I think that people just need to talk to other people not just like virtual people and in plus you speak with a native English speaker right it's like a pretty good bonus and um, what um, what was the difference between our speaking club and other speaking clubs is that um, our speaking club um, 
is um, a great way to learn English because uh, before every session, Haley prints uh, new words, new idioms, new phrasal verbs that people need to speak, that people need to use during their speaking. Uh, and that's how people don't waste their money on just like speaking. They spend their time learning new phrases and uh, words. And after that, and then at the end of the lesson, Haley tells them their mistakes and their um, phonetics problem, phonetic problems. Um, and um, Haley is really, really good at pronunciation. During Corona time, um, we didn't have a lot of trainings because the studio was closed and we didn't have a possibility to train a lot and to uh, travel. Uh, to compete with our with others, so Haley got into pronunciation, and now, um, I mean, he's he can hear every single sound that is spelled wrong, and the thing is that he can correct it. So um, I was um, participating in French Olympiad, and I had like slight problems with my pronunciation. And Haley helped me with my pronunciation. And when I went to the Olympiad, um, the judges were like, are your parents French people? And I was like, no, why? And they were like, because your pronunciation is like fluent French person pronunciation. And I was like, thank you. And when I got the first place in our oblast, well, it's like region, um, my yeah. one second one second i love those but this podcast isn't about events and topics it's about you so to ask you even further you said you love okay why do you love the english language why do you, did you participate in the french language what is so interesting to you about these two languages that touches your heart okay well, languages is a great possibility to meet other people. Um, as I'm a dancer, I used to travel a lot, not now because of virus. <laughs> yeah. And I used to meet a lot of new people. And when you understand what people are saying to you, that's a great thing. When you can reply, it's even better, right? So um, I have a lot of uh, foreign friends right now. And um, I think that's pretty cool when you can talk uh, to people um, when uh, who come from uh, uh, other countries and who have the same interests with you. And when I um, just walk in Odessa, I see French people talking and I'm like, bonjour. And uh, those French people are like, wow, you speak French. And I'm like, Yes, and they're like, wow, in Odessa, like, um, not many people uh, speak French, and that's why people start to respect me and stuff. And um, I love um, cultures, uh, exploring different cultures. Um, and uh, my father um, is um, Armenian, so half Armenian and half Russian. I mean, like Ukrainian. Uh, his grandfather, his gr oh, 
his father, my grandfather. Um, one second, one second. So your father is Armenian, correct? Yeah, half Armenian, half Ukrainian. But my grandfather is totally Armenian. And Perfect. I, one second. Are you involved with the Armenian community? Yes, I am. Because in Odessa, we have a huge um, Armenian. I had an army, half Armenian, half Ukrainian girl recently on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Did you know her? Is she active uh, with you? Her last name is Petrosyan. Oh, a lot of people in Odessa have this surname. So it's kind of... She's from Mykolaiv. Oh, no, I don't think so, because we have like a local community, Armenian community. So it's uh, situated in the in Arkadia. It's like a place when people usually hang out and stuff. Uh, but the Armenian community is so beautiful. The church, the garden near the church and the cultural center when you can just... Um, go and train for free like you can dance the hole is for you you can enter even though you aren't armenian you can enter the dance and you can learn armenian for free and after the lesson they give you free food i mean like an armenian food is one of the best food for me so you can imagine how much i enjoy being there <laughs> And Odessa is really a great city, and a lot of people uh, don't know the um, where Odessa is situated. I mean, foreigners, but those who know when they come, I mean, like they are so upset. They become so obsessed with the city because everything here is impeccable. Uh, I have a friend. She comes from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and uh, she is currently living in Odessa. And every time I ask her if she want to return to uh, Ohio, she tells me no, because Odessa is like a paradise. And Ohio and USA is is like a prison for me, because when I come to Odessa, I become, I I feel freedom and uh, I was talking, I was speaking uh, about stereotypes with her and she was like, yeah, I heard a lot of bad things about Ukraine that it's like a suburban style of uh, living and um, that's totally false because people, when they come here, they see the buildings, ancient buildings, they see other people uh, who are open you can talk to the strange guy on the street and he will talk to you back. That's not a problem. Of course, we have like exceptions, like those who will give you, who will tell you to, um, okay, that's a bad word. I'm not going to tell it, but I mean, a lot of people here are so warm and um, the hospitality in Ukraine is like a different topic to talk about. So that's a great when you can meet other people, talk to them, and especially in their mother language, because you will hear the information. Thank you. Your friend, she feels freedom in Odessa. Where Mm -hmm. do you feel freedom? Because you love to travel. You didn't say that you love to stay in Odessa. So probably there is a different place for you that gives you that feeling of freedom. you know, 
I feel freedom everywhere where um, the people I love surround me. That's also a very deep topic and it takes a lot of hours to talk about. But I think that I can live everywhere if I feel support, I feel love and I feel um, kindness. Um, I used to live uh, in Canada for like two months and I used to live in Kiev. I didn't feel that love in Kiev because this uh, six months of my life were really tough for me and I had no parent, parents around me. Uh, and I used to live there when I was only 13 years old. I was living alone, almost alone. So no parents, no friends. And that was really stressful. But when I used to live in Canada, I have my relatives there. I felt freedom. Um, I felt freedom in language because I knew how to speak English and I felt freedom in my actions because I knew that everything that I will do, my actions will be supported by my relatives, my family. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you very much. And do you have advice for people who are listening and to yourself as well for a happier life, for more commitment and uh, to be feel good about the sacrifice maybe or to have different and new emotions or to handle the lockdown with uh, more positivity or something like that that you can share with the listener um i can tell you the thing that i found out for me during lockdown it's a social dancing i didn't think that social dancing not like professional ones but like those who uh, give you pleasure will bring me so much fun because um, I started dancing salsa like uh, one month ago and it was like occasionally I went to the disco salsa disco uh, in the city center and um, as I'm a dancer one woman noticed me and she invited me to join her club her studio and when I joined I was so happy that it happened in my life because you don't dance with one a certain boy. Um, it goes uh, clockwise. So you change your partner every like uh, one minute. And that's a great thing. Also, one second. This is a perfect topic. No, tell me about this. When you dance with different people, because although the steps could be in theory the same, do you feel difference in personality of people when they dance with you, the boys, even if they don't say one word, just through their movement, their energy, maybe, I don't know, or something? Tell me about that experience and whether actually people tend to be similar types, like maybe these kinds of boys dance this way, these kinds of boys have this energy, or each person is really an individual with their own different flavor and energy that's one of my favorite topics by the way because we have like two types of connection right that's a physical connection 
and mental connection. So, uh, for example, when you hold a person, that's a physical connection. And when you see like eye connection or like, um, yeah, pretty much eye connection and the way you repeat the movements on the distance with a person, that's a different type of connection. And I wanted to say that uh, both of them are important. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of boys, I mean, like every single boy is different from each, each other. When you dance um, with one boy, um, you get one um, spectrum of emotions. When you dance with another boy, totally different emotions. So how can we feel those these emotions? For example, the way he gives you his hand, right? The way he looks at you, the way he touches you, the way he holds you, um, the way he smiles. Everything is totally different. Even um, the way he smells. Yeah, that's pretty um, intime, <laughs> like in French. But I mean, when you dance with really totally different boys, that's a great thing because you receive all the specter of emotions. Um, and after finishing your salsa class or like bachata, zumba, it doesn't matter. You feel like you're full of energy. And it's a paradox because usually when you dance, you become exhausted like a professional dancing because you're um, um, you're trying to be better than this couple or that couple and you're uh, getting better and if you don't you don't see your progress you become like upset and stuff but when you dance social dancing you get this I mean indescribable emotions um, you feel worthy because um, every a uh, man treats you like you're a queen. Yeah, and that's, I think, perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. And if the listeners want to communicate with you or to learn more about your club or about your dancing and hear more of your stories, what is the best website or social media to go? And I'll make sure to write it in the description. Um. I think that it's better to <laughs> text me because I know all the clubs uh, in Ukraine. Uh, I mean, like uh, Latin dance. And um, the salsa club I'm going right now to, I'm going to right now, uh, is located only in Odessa. So if anyone is interested, it's called uh, uh, soldance.org. Odd. So dance that Thank you very much. Yes, you can send me how to connect with that and I will make sure to write it. And thank you, Karina. I wish you a brilliant day. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. And thank you. I hope to see you. I mean, like, hear you again one time. <laughs> thank you.